family, what is good? Welcome to episode two of Seasons in Stewardship, the podcast where we bring you hope, healing, and direction as you navigate the different seasons of life. I'm your favorite podcast host, Dr. Blunder Rose Young. So in today's episode, family, we're going to talk about marriage. So before we get started, I just want to say thank you, thank you, thank you for all the love, all the support, all the the comments about the episode one of Seasons and Stewardship. I was just absolutely blown away to be able to read all the amazing feedback, to hear the stories. Guys, I'm just taken aback. You know the crazy thing? I was in work meetings with senior people across the state and other different environments and people were talking about the value of home they were talking about the connection between home and the professional life and it was just a crazy swirl like everywhere i was i was just hearing about the home i was like oh my gosh this is something that people really need to be talking about right now so for those of you that missed episode one i highly encourage you to go back and listen please listen and then you know come back and listen to episode two. (laughs) So I just want to say I'm excited to be on this journey with you. And baby, we are just getting started. This is only episode two. We have have things to do. We have purpose to achieve. (laughs) We have places to go. So I'm here to run this with you. So for all my parents out there, um, I'm sure that there's a cartoon that your kid absolutely loves to watch. For my son, that's VeggieTales. He has been watching VeggieTales since he was like one. It's actually the reason why he learned to walk. Like he just (laughs) one day was like, oh, I want to get closer to the screen so I can see Larry Boy. And so he started to, to get up and walk. So I was very grateful for that. But he was listening to this episode one day and um, Larry starts to sing this song. And, you know, I'm in the kitchen just doing some stuff. And then I, I, I catch a part of the verse and it just took me back. Like I was like, that's a really deep statement that they just said in this cartoon that I was not expecting. And here is what Larry said. He was actually singing alone in the village of many, right? alone in the village of many and i started to really reflect and i was like god you know that's that's so true we can be surrounded by people whether we're at work we're at home wherever we might be at church and you can be around a lot of people but yet still feel so alone so last week we talked about the value of home and how it's tied to your professional development your mental health, your social health, your physical health, all the things. So again, if you haven't heard it yet, go back and listen. And because of my background and training and some of the feedback that came in, I know that some of you were like, Blenda, <laughs> that's great. I hear you, but you'll know what I'm dealing with. Like you don't know what home is like. Or some of you that might be single might be saying, Blenda, like I get it conceptually, but I actually grew up in an abusive home and I don't want to hear about it. Like I, I home to me is a trigger. I hear you. I hear you loud and clear. Let me first say that if you've gone through trauma and abuse, I'm sorry. I am so sorry. And you are why I'm here. I will also say that if you need to take breaks away from this podcast episode, there is absolutely no shame in that. So for those of you that don't know me, in my day-to-day life, I'm both an entrepreneur and a researcher. 
I've actually dedicated the last 11 years of my life to preventing sexual violence, human trafficking, and something we called adverse childhood experiences, also known as ACEs. So ACEs, A-C-E-S, are traumatic experiences that happen in our childhood, like homelessness or unstable housing. Maybe you had to be shifted around. It just was really unstable. Um, you were evicted from different places and you just weren't really sure where you're going to be living or being in the foster care environment. It could also be that your parents went through a really nasty divorce and that left deep wounds on you. Maybe distrust. It could be losing someone by suicide or unexpectedly, like in a tragic car crash. It can also be experiencing emotional neglect or deep rejection from the same people that are supposed to be loving and protecting you and shielding you from the world. It could also include physical, sexual, or verbal abuse. And the list goes on and on. This is not a complete list, but it's anything that can cause really deep wounds in childhood. And the thing about ACEs is that trauma follows you into your adult life. So some of you might be saying, okay, well, I get that, but what does that have to do with marriage? Well, a lot. Although many of us have experienced trauma, most people have not healed from trauma. So I'm going to make a big statement, and I get that it's big. Here's the statement. You ready? Time does not heal trauma. That's why you can see people who have gone through a nasty divorce 20 years ago, and they're still bitter. Or someone that's experienced sexual abuse as a child, having marital intimacy issues as an adult. And intimacy could be in all forms, right? So for us to move past trauma, it really requires deep inner healing from God. And we're going to talk about that more in future episodes. But we need to know that unhealed wounds from trauma affect the way that we interact or, or don't interact with our spouse, which can lead one of us to feel, well, alone in a village of many. So I want to recognize that issues and concerns in marriage are certainly not always caused by past trauma, right? However, trauma is common. It's unfortunate, but it is. And it has been scientifically proven again and again to contribute to negative behaviors in marital and family relationships. So whether the source of, of issues in marriage is past trauma or not, it's very important to know that every marriage goes through all four seasons, summer, fall, winter, and spring. So what are these seasons? What do they look like? I'm glad you asked. Well, summer is fun and sun, right? It's times where you're outdoors, you're, you're hanging out with family, you're hanging out with, with friends, there's a lot of activity, um, there's less work. <laughs> you're just having a grand time, right? You're living your best life. There's increased closeness and relaxation. Whereas fall is sort of this in-between period. You know, it's, it's a period of change, right? When some things are withering, but there's still a lot of beauty. Winter is one of the most noticeable seasons. It's cold. Nothing seems to be blossoming. And nothing might change based upon your efforts. There's dormancy. And this is a season when many couples give up. 
However, I want you to start reframing the way you see winter because it's also a time where you stay inside and you bundle up more. Winter is a time of potential rest, reflection, and strategic preparation because no season remains forever. You go through winter, spring, summer, and fall. So you have to prepare for this shift. And there can be great growth after a period of dormancy, which is what we call spring, right? So don't feel bad if your marriage is currently in a cold season. Instead, use that time of rest and reflection to be strategic. So my family and I recently bought a new car because one of our cars was about to die. And it had been eight years, fam, <laughs> since I had bought a new car. And there were all these new bells and whistles, all these new technologies. So I was doing a lot of research to make sure that I was getting a car that could last me another eight years or so. Um, and being a native Floridian, I was not too familiar with one of these key features, which was all weather tires. But I found out that the beauty of these tires is that they include a strategic design that was made to carry you in every season because seasons don't last, right? They shift. So when you have all-weather tires, you don't have to worry too much about the road, which allows you to spend more time focusing on the destination. So I'm going to give you some unique strategies, some all-weather tires, to help you in every season of marriage. The first one is prayer. Let's go ahead and set the foundation. God can heal hearts and he can heal marriages. He can also give specific direction. So while I love you and I care about you, I can share with you evidence and I can share with you, you know, experience from myself and from my guests, but God knows everything about you and he knows everything about your spouse. So why not include the project director in the project? <laughs> why not include the project director in the project in both the implementation and the planning seasons? That's number one. Number two is self-care. There's something that, ex this is something that experts really recommend, and I wish <laughs> that I had comprehended earlier in both marriage and in parenting. We all know, and many of us have experienced, that we cannot pour from an empty cup. Yet some of you have been like me, and you've still tried. Like, I get that I can't pour, but I'm still attempting to pour. Like, the cup is tipping over, but nothing is coming out, right? So everyone's self-care looks a little different based upon your interests, your personality, your financial situation. It could be reading a book, maybe getting some professional grooming services, working out, spending some time with friends. But it's very important that we practice that self-care. And it is a practice. You have to be disciplined in taking care of yourself. So take a little time out each day to practice self-care. It could be 10 minutes sitting alone just reflecting or doodling or watching something that's going to nourish you, not drain you, but nourish you. Number three is other-centered communication. So number, four was, number one was prayer. Number two was self-care. And number three is other-centered communication. So I learned this principle from John C. Maxwell, who's an amazing U.S.-based author. If you haven't heard of him, I would definitely recommend uh, looking him up. He does a lot on leadership and business. And he has this book called Everyone Communicates, View Connect. So in this book, 
he talks about how he prepares for those small and large speeches. So he's, you know, spoken in front of thousands. And so every time he gets ready to speak, he does this visualization exercise where he sits for a few minutes and he just imagines who's going to be in the room. And he thinks about what they're going through, their pain points or their struggles. He thinks about what their family situation might be like, maybe what they encountered on the drive in to get to the auditorium where the, the uh, speech is going to be. So he really does some deep visualization. And he says he actually does this more than rehearsing lines and bullet points. Like he thinks about who he's going to be speaking to. Because when you're focused on the issues and the needs and desires of the people, you can communicate in a way that's compelling and compassionate. So what I want you to practice is other-centered communication with your spouse, right? Regardless of what might have happened or what might be occurring, take a beat. Take some time to reflect on their present circumstance, on their issues, and communicate in alignment with that. I know that might feel tough and hard, but something that you can practice because when you're speaking to the person, considering their situation, you'll speak in a way that's more compelling. Okay, number four, reframe acts of kindness. So this is a little bit similar to number three, other center communication, but the main gist here is I, I want you to mentally reframe the little things that you do for each other as ways to show love instead of it being a waste of your time. <laughs> and for those receiving, practice gratitude for acts of kindness. You know, if, you're, if your spouse makes you cereal in the morning or they take out the trash or whatever the case might be, be grateful. Don't be like, well, they just took out the trash. They do it every week. Be grateful. Those little acts of gratitude go a long way. And when you start to mentally shift from this is a waste of my time to I'm pouring, I'm actively pouring right now into my marriage, something that might seem menial becomes something strategic. So when you have thoughts of thinking about things being menial or, or irrelevant or a waste of time, it can actually cause resentment. And that resentment will feed other negative thoughts. So it's really important that we reframe our acts of kindness. Okay, number five, are you still tracking with me? Number five, let me know in the chat. Are you still tracking with me? Number five is five minute romance. And this can really be up to five minutes. So I actually attended a webinar um, a couple of years ago that was not about marriage, <laughs> but the person started talking about um, marriage and how we can uh, have up to five minutes of romance in the morning and how that really affects the rest of your day with your spouse. And it's true. Um, and so the suggestions I'm going to give you are not my own. They're coming from them. And um, I apologize. I do not have their, their names and contact information. Otherwise, I would share that. So one of the things that they suggested was in the morning before you both get up and you go to work, whether that's outside the house or on your couch, <laughs> take some time to um, use some suggestions. You can start by you know, just looking into each other's eyes and giving quick affirmations or praying over your spouse. It could be something as simple as, oh, babe, let me get the lotion and, and rub it on your arm for you, right? And so you're there and you're just spending 
a couple seconds, right? Rubbing it on their arm, rubbing it on their hand. You're just spending a little bit of time, like having a little bit of intimacy in the morning. It could be writing, you know, one sentence love note and giving it to them before they go to work or before they go on vacation or, you know, any time that you're, you're separating. I'm not saying you have to do it every day, but these are suggestions. It could also be, you know, spraying some perfume or cologne on your spouse. Anything that really provides an opportunity for interaction and also communicates to them that you care and that you love them. So number six is connect, but possibly not too much. <laughs> so in this portion, I want you to, to actually be intentional about spending time together and planning times to connect, but with the consideration of your spousal makeup, right? Since if you're both, if you're an introvert and they're an extrovert, you need to be mindful that you are connecting, but not in a way that feels draining for you, the introvert. Like you need to be connecting, but you also need to be planning for time to be alone so that you can re-energize so that you can be there for your spouse when they're ready as an extrovert to communicate, which is all the time, right? Um, and so, you know, also being able to speak from that language and saying, you know, babe, honey, pumpkin, sweetheart, you know, sugar pie, whatever you want to call them. I love you. I just need like half an hour to myself. You know, I'm, a, I'm an introvert, right? So I just need like half an hour and then I'll be right back. And yeah, we can go to that basketball game or we can do this or whatever the case might be. Okay. So definitely being intentional about connecting, but not to the point where there's strain because of someone's natural makeup or other shaping factors. And the last one, which is one of my favorites, is co-planning your marital strategy. Now, this is something I don't think people really do. And I honestly have not heard anybody else say this. If they have, let me know down the chat. I would love to like follow that person and learn more about their thoughts about it. But I'm a strategist. Anyone that knows me knows I'm a strategist and I'm a planner. Like that's what I do. Like I dream, I ideate, and I and I put plans together to execute. And I fully believe that every important area of your life needs a plan. Like you need a plan, right? If, if you don't have a plan, you're going to fail at something and not even know that you're failing. So every important area of your life needs a plan, which includes your marriage. So I would spend time with your spouse creating a strategic plan for your marriage. And this will help you move towards common goals with both clarity and confidence rather than feeling like you're running around each day just doing familial tasks and you don't really know how things fit into the picture and you feel overwhelmed because you have these different responsibilities like move forward with knowledge which gives you confidence about what you're doing in your marriage so when you're putting together your plan um the first big question I would tackle with your spouse and you know this could be hours this could be something you think about over several days but what's the purpose of your marriage like yes we love each other you know like we wanted to do life together that that's that's all wonderful and that's that's really important and i'm, I'm glad that, that you are in that sort of loving situation but what are you like what is the purpose for your marriage and one of the things that can help you think about it um or at least create some common goals. Maybe it's the goal of your marriage if that feels more attainable than purpose. Like, oh, purpose, that's too big. What are you talking about, Belinda? What's the goal of your marriage? Like, what are you both moving towards? Maybe start to think about some of your God-given 
passions, right? Like, so if you're both teachers and you both have a heart for community, maybe one of the main goals of your marriage is we are going to get very good at communication and teaching people so that we can be agents of change in our community so that we can move positive things forward. So let's say that's your goal. You frame it differently, that's fine, but that's your goal in essence. So then the next question, or one of your goals, the next question I would say, okay, so what is the objective for 2024? Like you have your goal, what does 2024 look like? And why I love this fam is when you get very clear on your objectives, it helps you with um, setting boundaries around your time and resources, which is one of the, the big issues in marriage, right? How we're spending our finances, our resources, and our time. When you guys are centered around a common goal and you have clarity on an objective, then there's going to be more alignment and agreement with how you're spending your time and your resources. So let's say in 2024, you say, babe, you know, we want to be better teachers. We understand that the principles of teaching might not change, but methodologies change constantly. And and the, the platforms that you can use change constantly. And so let's take some courses or let's take, um, let's watch these YouTube videos. And, you know, every quarter we check in with how each other's doing. And towards the end of the year, we're going to do like a really small campaign in our community to help this segment of the population that we're really concerned about, right? Like that's clarity. So the first three quarters, me and babe, we're going to be practicing, we're going to be refining, we're going to be doing small pitches in front of each other, getting some, some constructive feedback, maybe having some laughs over things like we're moving together, right? Like there's, there's a there's a common goal. It's not just I go to work, you stay home with the kids, or we both go to work or whatever the case might be like we're moving together towards something. So you now have a strategic partner in things and the things that you're doing energize you. So it's not just about raising children, having bills, it's about having a, a, a common goal for your marriage. Okay, so we talked today about um, past trauma and how that can affect marital relationships. And we also talked about the different seasons of marriage. And of course, the seven tips that uh, can help you in every season. So friend, as we come to this last segment, friend, if you haven't heard from anyone else, you are amazing and you're made on purpose for a purpose. And because of that, I care about you and I want to spend a moment praying to God for your benefit. So Father God, I thank you for those that have listened to this podcast. I thank you for those um, in the current season and, and those that you'll send to this podcast, Lord. Whatever season of marriage they're going through, God, I want, I hope that they know and I hope that you help them to know that you love their marriage and you want it to succeed, that you love them individually and you love them collectively. God, so I just ask that you bless their marriage, that you cover them, that the resources would be there, that the time would be there, that the support would be there if they need it for kids or for whatever else the reason might be. God, I ask that you guide them in these things, and God, that you would open their hearts to even trying some of these all-weather strategies, Lord, so that they can move forward with purpose and with confidence. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, fam, thank you so much for tuning into episode two. So next week, we're going to talk about navigating relational transitions. This will actually be our last episode on relationships in this series, in series one. So you do not want to miss it, okay? You don't want to miss it. So until then, feel free to submit your questions via voicemail or the anonymous form below. Until next week, fam.
Be blessed.